Songs Audio presents the unabridged recording of Until I Met Her by Natalie Borelli, performed by Kate Rudd. But to be furious, murderously furious, is to be alive. Claire Massoud, the woman upstairs. One. I didn't think I would survive this day. But thankfully, it's almost over now. For her friends, her husband, the many people here I have never met. There are a great many of us who've come to say goodbye, standing together by Beatrice's gaping grave, below a sky so bright it makes my eyes hurt. Her coffin's lying beside it, waiting to be lowered into its final resting place. That's the part I dread. We're about to put her into this black hole and cover her up with dirt and mud, then turn around and walk away. Later, when it's cold and dark, will she be frightened? Will she hate us for turning our backs and leaving her there? The minister tells us that God has plans that none of us are privy to, although not in those exact words. God, it seems, knows how hard it is for us to understand that someone we love can be snatched away suddenly, with no warning in the most mundane of accidents, but that we must trust him in his wisdom. I'm not sure what the point of that is. I would think that a warning to be more careful with stairs lest you fall and stupidly break your neck, a reminder to us all of the dangers we face at home, would be a more appropriate community message. Jim has his arm around me and gives my shoulders a squeeze. It makes me aware I'm weeping. I turn to look at him and catch sight of George a little farther away. He's standing close to the coffin, looking down. There's an older woman by his side whom I recognize as his mother, even though I only met her once. Margaret Green isn't someone you forget easily. She's holding his arm as if to support him. I think she's crying, but it's hard to tell from here. Still, I have to fight the urge to pull her away, to tell her that she doesn't belong here, that she never liked Beatrice, and Beatrice knew it. But I do nothing of the sort, obviously. She's there for George. I understand that. He looks up at me as if he's realized I was watching him. His eyes are puffy and red. He's crying at least as much as I am. Poor George. He's going to miss her so much. How will he ever cope without her? How will he bear to live in that big apartment without her? The minister must have concluded his eulogy because the coffin's descending into the hole now. I quickly bend down and grab a fistful of earth and throw it on top. I'm unsure what I'm trying to tell her. That I love her. That I miss her. I always will. Oh, Beatrice, why did you come home? Jim has taken hold of my elbow and is gently guiding me away. I look up and see that everyone is moving, slowly, in unison. I had a nightmare last night. All these people here had grabbed a shovel and were filling the grave with soil, 
except it was me in there at the bottom of the hole. I was shouting at them to stop, but they couldn't hear me. I woke up because I couldn't breathe. But it seems I won't get to see that part, the final ceiling of the tomb, which is just as well because I don't think I could take it. George comes over and engulfs me in his arms, and we collapse into each other, each sobbing on the other's shoulder. I'm so sorry, I repeat over and over. After a long time, he releases me, just nods at me. That's all he has the strength to do. I watch him being led into his car, his shoulders hunched under the weight of his grief. There are people all around me as we reach our own car. I'm so sorry. You two were so close, they mumble. It must be so hard for you.